Welcome back to Strange Days as we continue studying prayer together to help us in our times with God during these strange times of the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic. And today's episode 30 of the podcast. I almost can't believe that we've done so many, but we hope that uh, you're enjoying them, that they're serving you. Uh, We are certainly enjoying producing them, I know that. And I expect a lot of you are going out for a run uh, on the first day of Phase 4 in South Africa. I'm sure lots of you from inner city are planning to hit the prom. Uh, you've only got three hours uh, or three hour window to do it, so good luck. Um, and I hope that you're able to actually practice social distancing out there. If it's not too crowded, uh, hopefully. I'm, I'm kind of picturing the prom looking a bit like Mecca, so who knows. But good luck to you. Enjoy. And today on Strange Days, we are moving into verse 4 of Luke 11 where Jesus, in his model prayer for us as his disciples, his apprentices, um, calls us to pray for forgiveness. So here's the exact line. Give us each day our daily bread, that's verse 3, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, I love this quote from Andrew Murray commenting on this verse. He says, bread is the first need for the body. Forgiveness is the first need for the soul. And we're asking God here for forgiveness of sins. Now, sin is such a multifaceted topic. It's, in a sense, at the very heart of the gospel. The gospel is all about how sin has been dealt with by God. Uh, But sin is a condition of the heart that, that then sort of flows out into our actions as sins, you could say. And all of this is in rebellion against God himself, specifically. And so... We're sinners by both nature and choice. We're responsible for it. And sin includes uh, thoughts, words, deeds, motives. Uh, Sin includes uh, sins of commission, which is things that we do that we shouldn't do. And sins of omission, things uh, that we should do that we don't do. And one lens to look at sin is that it is debt to God. It's debt to God. And I get that from Jesus' teaching here, where he calls us to to ask for forgiveness of our sins from God as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And he's using the terms interchangeably there. He's giving us insight into what sin is. All humans have a debt to God for our refusal to glorify him, love him, trust him, All humans have spurned his goodness, the rights he has as creator, his wisdom, and the truth that he obviously wants to wield for our flourishing as humans. We've all mutinied against his lordship. And so the the, the debt of sin has to be paid. It's just a question of who's going to pay it, us or Jesus. And that's the the beautiful sign of love from God, that he was willing to die for us uh, on our behalf as our substitute. And that's the core of, of what we believe is that Jesus has paid this debt for us. Okay, Jesus was actually teaching this prayer to his disciples as he was on his journey to Jerusalem to pay our debt. There he, he took the punishment on the cross, and now through, through, through faith and trust in him, his record of perfection as a sinless human is given to us, and then our debt of transgression against God is given to him. And because of this, we are then adopted into the family of God. We're given a new name, a new future, a new identity, a new record, declared not guilty. But now all this being said, we still sin. We still commit sins. You know this. I know this. Jesus knows this, which is is why he's telling his disciples here and telling us that, that we need to still ask for forgiveness. But... When we pray this, when we're praying this prayer, it's not about initial salvation. 
Okay, our debt has been paid by Jesus. It is finished, as he said. This prayer now, though, is about restoring fellowship, maintaining fellowship with God. Okay, here's the picture. We've been adopted, and that's not going to change. But we can still have a, a rocky relationship with our dad as opposed to one of joy and intimacy where our father is consistently pleased. And, and that's what this prayer is about. And I think the Apostle John sums all of this up quite well in his first epistle. So let me just quote him here from 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 5 to 2, verse 2. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, while we sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, this is what it's called walking in the light. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, one who takes God's wrath away from us, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I love that. So let's remember, you know, God answers prayer uh, for penitent sinners, not perfect people, said John Piper. And he also said um, that asking for forgiveness should be in our prayers as much as everything else is here, because Jesus said that we should do it whenever we pray. And in his encouragements for us to, to be a people of prayer in the mornings specifically, not only in the mornings, but encouraging us to pray in the mornings, um, listen to Matthew Henry uh, speak about praying for forgiveness in this sort of extended quote here. I really love it, and I've been reading it uh, this week. In the morning, we often reflect upon many vain and sinful thoughts that have been in our minds in the night season. And upon that account, it's necessary we address ourselves to God by prayer in the morning for pardon of them. The Lord's Prayer seems to be calculated primarily for the morning, for we're taught to pray for our daily bread this day, and yet we are then to pray, Father, forgive us our trespasses. For as in the hurry of the day we contract guilt by our irregular words and actions, so we do in the solitude of the night, by our corrupt imaginations and the wanderings of our unsanctified, ungoverned fancy. It's certain the thought of foolishness is sin. Foolish thoughts are sinful thoughts, that's what Proverbs 24, 9 says. The firstborn of the old man, the first beginnings of all sin, and how many of these vain thoughts lodge within us wherever we lodge. Their name is legion, for they are many. They are more than the hairs of our head. We read of those that work evil upon their beds, because there they devise it. And when in the morning is light, there they practice it, Micah 2, 1 says. And how often in the night season is the mind disquieted and distracted with distrustful, careless thoughts, polluted with unchaste and wanton thoughts, intoxicated with proud, aspiring thoughts, soured and leavened with malicious, revengeful thoughts, or at the best, diverted from devout and pious thoughts by a thousand impertinences. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts which lie down with us and rise up with us. For out of that corrupt fountain, which wherever we go we carry about with us, these streams naturally flow, and in the multitude of dreams, as well as many words, there are also 
divers vanities, Ecclesiastes 5.2. And dare we go abroad into our day till we have renewed our repentance, which we are every night as well as every day thus making work for. Are we not concerned to confess to him that knows our hearts, their, their wanderings from him, to complain of them to him as revolting and rebellious hearts and, and bend to, to backslide, to make our peace in the blood of Christ, and to pray that the thoughts of our heart may be forgiven us. We cannot with safety go into the business of the day under the guilt of any sin unrepented of or unpardoned. And lastly, in, in this prayer Jesus has called us to pray, there's a sort of clause, uh, an expectation from our Lord. It says, forgive us our sins, which we've chatted about, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Andrew Murray says this, he says that the word forgiven expresses the, the heavenward, uh, so that the word forgiving expresses the earthward. And what he's saying is God has forgiven us, therefore he assumes that we too will be people of forgiveness. Okay, D.A. Carson commenting on this verse tells us that as believers, we, we should be people who act in a way that acknowledges our indebtedness to God's grace. Human forgiveness isn't the, the, the basis for God's forgiveness. Human forgiveness demonstrates true repentance and allows one to receive God's forgiveness. And the, the truth of the gospel is what allows us to forgive people. And it can be really, really hard to forgive people. But that's what Jesus is going to be working in our hearts as we're praying for him to forgive us. Okay, when we've been sinned against, we've got to remember that justice comes from the Lord Jesus himself. Okay, his future return to, to judge the earth is the thing that guarantees the truth that in the end, no one is going to get away with anything. Anything. And so for the, the sins of others, particularly when they've been directed towards us and we've been sinned against, we must remember that, that either their sins are, are paid by Jesus at the cross if they repent, or they'll be paid by them, themselves, at judgment day if they do not repent. But either way, our, our forgiveness of others leaves the justice to Jesus, the perfect judge. That's the big idea. That's what frees us and allows us to not hold on to uh, vengeance and hold on to bitterness, which actually is just going to hurt us. And that could be a whole other talk. But Jesus is very wise in his, his uh, command to us here to, to pray for forgiveness as we forgive others. So, Father, bring all this stuff home to us today. Please enable us to be more like Jesus. He's the one person that actually never had to pray for forgiveness. But help us to be like him, to be a people of forgiveness. Okay, help us to be people who, who can pray to you and say, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Father, make, make prayers of forgiveness for our own sins central to our prayer lives. God, I know that in our, our modern culture, sin is a, a word we don't like to say, uh, let alone a, a, a problem that many of us think we really have. And so remind us, uh, Father, of these sort of foundational truths and r remind us that, that, that praying for forgiveness is going to bring freedom. It's going to bring us cleansed consciences. It's going to bring us um, fresh experiences of grace. Father, help us to restore and to renew and revitalize our, our fellowship with you as we are confessing our, our sins um, and as you forgive us in, in response. And thank you, God, that, that it's because of the work of Jesus on the cross um, that, that enables us. And because of that, you are both, as, as John said, you're both faithful and just to forgive us. In fact, you know, you would be unjust not to forgive us 
if we've trusted in you and we've asked for forgiveness. Okay, we can count on your justice in this instance to be for our good. Um, that you would not, you would not not answer our prayers of forgiveness because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus has already paid our debt. And so, thank you, Father, and thank you for teaching us how to pray this prayer. Amen.